welcome to Confidence Leads to Success podcast. Get ready for your weekly dose of Confidence Booster with inspirational stories of women across the globe. The one and only podcast made to empower women through fashion, wealth, health, well-being and more. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to yet another Confidence Leads to Success interview series with me, Elif Kyose. I have been enjoying this and this is our day four and I don't want it to end. <laughs> it has been such a great fun having wonderful women in their, in their field. They are successful. They are empowering others and inspiring them and helping them achieve their goals. Let it be health, let it be wellness, let it be influencing, writing and fashion and everything. So today I have the pleasure of having Melanie Falik. She's just joining us and she was just telling me how warm it is there. She's an independent writer, editor and creative director. And she's the author of most recently launched making a life book and this is how I discovered her actually and I am a bit of a stalker and I watch some of her videos on YouTube I just fall in love with her and her perseverance and how she's so determined to help other women to follow their dreams and bring into life so hi Melanie welcome I think it's good to see you how are you today I'm good I'm good. All's good here in New York. <laughs> New York. Oh, I love New York. Yeah. I've been there quite a few times. And here you go. I'm going to spotlight you and I'll come next to you so, so you can be together. So tell our audience about you, how you started. And I love what you do and your book. And how did you come up with the idea and what made you start it? Okay. Well, the book is Making a Life, Working by Hand and Discovering a Life You're Meant to Live. So, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's it's really a culmination of, or not a culmination of, but like a bringing together of sort of my personal life and my professional life in a, a kind of holistic way so that I think they're merged in the best way where what I am doing with my time, both personally and professionally, is in sync with what I love and what I value. And so for me, throughout my life, I've loved to do handwork of different types and, and sort of creative expression generally. And um, I guess I should say all my life, I did handwork when I was a kid a bit, but I didn't really indulge in it that much. But as an adult, you know, knitting and sewing and gardening and, um, and learning how to fix things, you know, those are things that give me great confidence or confidence, I should say really embodied experiences where I am sort of taking care of myself, my family, my environment with my own sort of skills and creativity. But professionally, for many years, I've worked in publishing. And um, most of the time I was working on books that were about craft and creativity. So knitting, sewing, quilting, pottery, embroidery. Did I work on any woodworking? I think I did all sorts of books. And for 12 years, I worked at a New York publishing house called Abrams and I had an imprint and we put out a whole lot of books. And 
what started out as a dream job, you sort of evolved. And then I was kind of ready to leave and not sure what I wanted to do. And so I took a leap and kind of left knowing that I needed to kind of get off of that treadmill and live more in sync with sort of my inner self, as opposed to working in an environment where we were just kind of churning out books. I cared about the substance and the quality and, and the company as a whole did, but you know. You are a bit perfectionist, aren't you? You always look at the details. I, I've seen one of your videos where you're talking about and looking at every detail and I didn't realize how much hard work goes into creating books. And it's not just, I mean, writing a book in itself is hard enough or even having the idea of what to write and then actually putting it together and and deciding what artwork goes in there and where it goes. I didn't realize how hard it is. Oh, it's a lot of work. I mean, I don't think anybody who writes a book ever expects it to be as much work as it turns out to be. And I could, would say even for myself personally, I had written a few books many years ago and then I was publishing other people's books for many years. And then I went back to writing my own book, which is what happened after I left Abrams. Um, and it was more work than I expected. And, you know, I, you were in the business, you still found, this is great to hear because I find it so difficult at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Very much yeah. I mean, that's why you, it has to be something you're passionate about. And for me, the book making a life, um, is something that I feel like has sort of changed or altered the trajectory of my life because I feel like it gave me the opportunity to really clarify like what is essential to me, what my definitions of happiness and success are and how when I'm clear on those things, I'm able to sort of make decisions about how I'm going to spend my time, how I'm going to spend my resources and really gives me a consciousness that whereby I can stop myself when I'm getting kind of, what's the word, carried away by outside influences like social mm -hmm. media or um, just cultural messages about materialism and consumerism about what success is, what happiness is. And for me, you know, someone said to me recently, like, what makes you the happiest? And, you know, outside of, you know, friends and family being healthy and feeling good and all of that, I would say, spending time with my friends, making stuff, being creative, learning things from each other, fixing things, not making things just to sort of have lots of things, but more like right now. Consciously, learning, consciously. Right? Yeah, like I'm learning pottery because I want to make dishes and bowls for my family. You know, I'm, I'm learning to be a better sewist, um, learning sewing, I'm making a dress, my friend and I have been getting together and, and working on it. You know, in the past, people would make things because they had to. They didn't have access to, you know, all sorts of stores. And it was less expensive. Now, obviously, it's a privilege and something that, you know, takes usually more money and a lot of time. And so I feel fortunate that I can afford to buy the materials. And I actually am glad that it takes a lot of time. You know, the messages we get is like faster, you know, more. I know. I'm so pleased. So you're, you're in the same thing. I'm so against this fast fashion and, and consumerism and, and how easily people have 
become so disposable when it like they dispose of clothing they dispose of materials and it kind of this habit of disposing so easily seems to turn into how they dispose of their people around them it yeah. affects mentally so i i love that you're you like that slow fashion and taking time and enjoying creating something is so important yeah i mean i really found and it's not i mean obviously you know i really embrace the slow fashion movement for lots of reasons personal and environmental but i actually really like i feel like i just like slowing down everything and i realized that when i'm able to mentally switch a flick in my head head and not rush yes that i enjoy all sorts of things i enjoy washing the dishes i enjoy sweeping the floor i enjoy weeding you know i'm i'm not going to say that like i want to spend like all day every day doing those things but i think that we're it doesn't yeah, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be like perceived as a chore it's still something that you're creating you're fulfilling doing something wise you're doing these tasks that for you it's yeah. not like yeah and i i really feel like it's the the physicality of a lot of things that are really engaging for me and mm-hmm. you know this embodied experience of whatever i'm doing and when you think about you know our computers and our phones like everything you know we move our fingers or we swipe things and press buttons but it's all sort of there but not there mm-hmm. and i think that you could have whole days and evenings of that you can spend your whole day on your screens for work and then you can spend your evening on your screens it's that mindfulness isn't it wise you're creating something at the end of the day you you're going to have something to show it's so important i've just been beading these bird shapes for one of my brides as you know i'm a fashion designer I had made this wedding dress slash evening dress with lots of birds. It was like a, a magical dress with stars and lots of shooting stars on it. It's so so magical wow. and romantic. And it had birds on the shoulders. But her business is all about angels. So we decided to put more birds at the back, but like angel wings that I've been beading these little birds. and like every time i put some more time in it this something comes out that creative thing it's so fulfilling isn't it yeah and it that process of just quieting down and slowing yeah. down and doing something you know i always say i like repetitive monotonous things like they i there's something grounding about that and when you think about like meditation and yoga and mantras you know it really is about that kind of grounding and exactly. I think hand work offers that to us in a package that maybe is easier to embrace in your life than a daily meditation practice or maybe can be sort of part of that exactly i'm so pleased you're telling me all this because i like slow fashion and i like to promote more of people should do more things with their hands i remember at the beginning of uh, the first lockdown I've made a little film about how you can make your own masks at home because I know everybody was so bored everybody had to wear masks everybody was worried and I remember one of my friends told me you could have made them and make loads of money and sell them I said it's not about making money I just want to create an environment I want to give that inspiration to people 
that they can do it too. You don't have to have full skills that I have. I mean, I, I'm a skillful uh, designer and dressmaker and a pattern maker. I've, I've equipped myself with a lot of skills. But being able to share that with other people, because they're all locked down in their house and create something that they can actually wear. And the way I created was that helped them create it at home was like, you don't need to have a sewing machine. You don't have to have everything. You can just chop the trousers that you don't wear. You can use your old bra straps as elastics. And it was just, and you won't believe how many comments and emails and thank you messages I received. It kept people busy. Handwork is a pathway to wellness and just the way we try to eat healthy food, you know, for nutrition, the health of our bodies, and we exercise for strength and flexibility. We're not, I'm not going to be an Olympic athlete, but yet I still exercise and I'm not going to be really like you, a couturier, you know, but that doesn't mean that there's not value to me sewing. There is, and it's about my personal wellness. And I feel like, you know, I think, if you can look at handwork that way and get out of like, how long did it take? How much would you sell it for? It's like yeah. it a really long time and I loved it and it's not for sale. Although I might choose yeah. to give it to someone, but I'm not, that's not my goal. Yeah. You're not added. pushing people to rush and create more and sell it. And it's not about that. I think it's also what I'm hearing that calming and, and grounding and, and owning your pace and space is giving you confidence. That's what I'm hearing. Is that what you would say? Yeah, I mean, it, it just gives you a sense of wellness. I mean, it gives you a sense of confidence. Yes. It gives you a connection to your materials and which hopefully are natural materials that, you know, ultimately come from the earth. And it gives you a connection to other makers, past and present. It roots you in really our common humanity. I mean, we are wired to be makers, to be creative. Making by hand was how people survived for hundreds of hundreds thousands. of years, yeah. And it's only, you know, in our in the history of human beings, it's only a really short time that we've had kind of machines to last, do for us. Last fifty years probably has been it's been real push and but in the last I would say about last, maybe this is my, this is when I realized what's happening. In the last four or five years, people have become more conscious. And since the COVID, I think a lot of people are aware of what's happening. And a lot of people are aware of that fast fashion, consumerism, not just fashion, fast of everything. People have paced down and it's that, that well, mentality that has to change. The world moves so fast and all of these things that are supposedly making our lives easier or better or more convenient are actually just putting us on like a treadmill. You know, the way that the economy, you know, we're told it works is if we like buy, 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 spend, 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 like we, everything is, but that doesn't make us feel good. And, you know, the idea of like convenience or like, you know, we have, we used to be in my work, you know, I was working freelance and we had FedEx. So like sometimes you had to get something done and into the FedEx box, you know, like, oh, can you have that to me tomorrow? Like now people email you or text you or they want it in the next five minutes. I know. Our machinery, we're not machines. 
you know, and we can't, we can't operate at that pace, but yet we're constantly pushing ourselves to do that, thinking that somehow we're going to like keep up with that. But I think people are realizing like, I need to get off this ride. Like it's making me dizzy. And it's making a lot of people, uh, there is a lot of education needs to be done around that. But what happens is I've noticed also that there is this expectation of one everything yesterday, not even tomorrow or today. Yesterday. (laughs) They want to order something and they just say, what do you mean you can't send it in three days? And you think, I'm sorry, but I cannot. And I think what happened is just, just in, just to create these perfect customer service to the people, to the public, what it what it ended up being is um, these big business, big uh, business centers, big malls, and big supermarkets. If you're not there, there's always somebody. If you're ill, there's always somebody. So that's what's happened is it's built an impatient emotion in our us we are so impatient we want it now it can't wait it's so annoying the thing is like we think that like we're somehow like it's like our there's this setting inside of us that somebody it got set to like fast forward but i think we have to consciously say like no like i don't want to be on fast forward it doesn't you know when you when you order something and it comes like right away Mm -hmm. like you get that serotonin rush you know you open the box and it is depleted so fast and then you just if that's what you're relying on that quick service that getting what you want when you want it or before you want it then you just always have to keep eating that but if you slow yourself down and you actually like embody the moment enjoy the moment you can find more satisfaction just like right where you are internally i mean the the uh, introduction to my book, the the title of it is keep looking at your hands and just this idea, you know, as a maker, you can keep looking at your hands as tools for making things. But really the idea of like so many of the things that we're looking for outside of ourselves. Yes. They're actually inside of ourselves. That's so right. We seem to be looking outside rather than start from inside out. Right. You know, just like posting something on Instagram and then wanting like all that outside approval. Yes. You know, just always thinking like you need somebody else to tell you you're good enough as opposed to cultivating a strong sense of self. It's so true. I'm going to tell you something as you were talking about these next day delivery and all these. I've had, we were talking about having our website, my fashion business website updated. And uh, this advisor was telling me that we need to have a next day delivery and free returns for everything that we sell. And I said to him, it's impossible for me to do next day delivery. I'm a mother. And I don't have five people working in my small business. Even if I did, I don't want to do next day delivery and free returns because what ends up happening, people order more than they need and and they they want it tomorrow. If it doesn't go tomorrow, because they put so much hopes on that delivery, whatever reason they're organizing, so they're leaving everything to last minute because they, they want to put everything. It's almost like going into supermarket and filling your trolley in case something is going to run out. And I said, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to do that. And it all, no. it's, it says on my website is two to three working days delivery. We actually usually do it on the day, 
But I don't want to put that pressure on me and I don't want to put the hopes of my clients, customers who want to purchase my products. And I, I think if everybody applies that to like now, when you shop on Amazon, I mean, I had days it arrived on the same day. I know. <laughs> I literally had paid and two hours later, the delivery was at the door. It was like, wow. <laughs> and you know, there is, that's not going to go away. And there are times when that works, you know, there is a place for that in our lives, I guess. But that, what I don't understand is this expectation that everything should be that way. And I think yes. that it's, it's based in a model that's just says more is better, faster is better. And that's a model that I don't agree with. Yeah. It's, um, well, it is happening. I mean, there is, there is no right or wrong in everything. We all have our own opinions. And uh, like you say, there is, there is a, a space for having the next day deliveries. But having to put these amount of stress for creators, especially if you're a creator, if you want to make something from scratch and, and want to make that a special piece, whatever you are doing, art, let it be artwork, let it be knitwear, let it be, you can't rush certain things. You right. I think, you know, when you don't rush, when you take the time to do something well and, and feel good about the process, that is imbued in what you're making. And, you know, it isn't something, you know, that is easy to describe in words, but I think I'm sure when you sew something beautifully and then you hold that object or you hand it to the person and they put it on, they can feel that. They can feel that energy in it. And I think that there are people, you know, who maybe are more sort of straight arrows, you know, they would say, oh, that's sort of these like creative types who, you know, think that a dress has energy or something. But I, I think that it's just a sensibility that, some people are in touch with and some people aren't. But when you are in touch with it, you, you, know, you certainly are in touch with it as a maker. And then I think you want to, you know, the customers that should be your customers are the ones that can feel it. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, I'm going to ask you something. If, some, if you were to explain confidence to people uh, on our audience, what tip you would tell them? What does confidence mean to you? and your tip on it and when you least feel confident in your life like when is that least moment that you feel confident but you do it anyway okay well i think confidence is about having a strong core like really figuring out like as best you can i mean it's always evolving but like who you are what does success mean to you what does happiness mean to you what is enough for you and you know trying to I think you develop confidence when you are living in keeping with those beliefs and values. So for me, confidence is connected is that's what it is. Like without a strong core, you know, if you're going into a meeting and you don't truly believe what you're going to say, like in your heart, it's hard sometimes to feel confident, at least for me about it. You know, then I'm putting on a show that's sort of outside of me. But obviously there are times in life, many times where like I'm in a situation where, you know, I don't feel fully confident and uh, some you people say, do it. make it, you know, you just have to like 
try, you know, not behave and, and not be, I think, be kind to yourself and be your own sort of that's it's almost right. like give yourself a chance, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think a lot of times as women, we're so mean to ourselves. You know, our inner voice is cruel. Very. More cruel. You are not enough constantly saying you are not enough. I know. And our culture sends that message to women. So, you know, I would say be your own friend, which is probably like for me sometimes the hardest thing. And surround yourself with true friends who believe in you. And when you need help because you have something you need to do that you're not confident in or you have a question that you don't know how to answer, figure out who to call upon your friends or have the courage to kind of call upon a stranger and say, like, I have this question. And, you know, I always say to my son, like, like a lot of things in life, it's about figuring out who to ask for help and yeah. pretty much everything takes a village. <laughs> and because so not to be afraid to ask for help and then be, you know. It's a lot of the entrepreneurs common trait I think is that the fear of asking for help as if it's the weakness, but actually we felt that asking for help is always going to empower you and obviously, you can't ask for help to everyone. It's got to be the right person. And if you if you surround yourself with people who believe in you, no matter what you do and how you do it, they will always want the best for you. I think that's very important. And that builds confidence in my case. And yeah. a lot of the times that I lost my confidence or or I got quiet, I have these friends that would check on me saying, you've been quiet lately. Is everything Okay. And that they are the kind of people you want to keep in your life. Yeah. One thing I noticed, like while I was working on my book, I went and spent time with makers in different parts of the world. And, and from some of them, I, with some of them, I participated in different making processes. And I did workshops in woodworking and welding, which were the most outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. And definitely like the woodworking was two weeks like all day and being like completely out of my element. And I mean, I was like in the bathroom crying. Like I really started to kind of fall apart emotionally. And I learned so much from that experience. I knew it was going to be hard for me. And people kept on saying, what does it matter? Like, you don't have to be good at woodworking. Why would you be good at it? But it was really learning how to be comfortable not knowing what I'm doing. Not feeling like I'm only acceptable if I'm excelling or doing a great job. It's like, this is hard. It's is especially hard for me, you know, both the woodworking and the welding. It didn't come naturally to me in any way. And, and just being like, yeah, this is tough. And not I, every time I'm in a situation like that, I noticed I have this tendency to feel like I'm like a 12 year old girl in school being made <laughs> embarrassed or being made fun of. And it's like, that is so in my head because probably like all the other people around me, they're busy with, they're thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about me. And yet I have turned it into like this situation where I feel badly, like I'm not good enough, you know, and I'm, I'm not enough in any way. Yeah. I realized that just being comfortable with learning and not being good at something or doing something and giving it your best shot and not feeling like you did the best job and saying like, okay. 
That's great. Thank you. Can't believe it's already been half an hour. No, no, it's time. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, such an inspiring talk. And and really what I hear that just give yourself a chance and be, don't be hard on yourself. And you, we are enough and that the confidence in women is quite complex, uh, complex um, subject to talk about. But what I believe that if we support one another as women and believe in each other, that we can do it. And at the times that we feel like we're failing and if we could just hold each other's hand, they are the times that we need to treasure and look out for each other. So it has been a great talk with you, Melanie. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope you enjoyed too. Yes, absolutely. And I hope I'll get to visit you in your shop someday somehow. I can't wait. I mean, I'll definitely come to New York for my 40th, not long left. He said, see you soon in New York. Yes, very soon. Thank you so much, Melanie. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with your friends, post about it and leave us a rating and review because it will help me reach out to so many other women who are looking to listen to that story of someone to help them achieve their goals. So here is to your confidence.